of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. We've got high school football for you on Friday night, our Pro Football Hall of Fame game of the week. Fairless playing host to Orville. It's a rematch in a Pac-7 game from earlier this year that Fairless uh, crushed uh, the Red Riders. But uh, we'll see what happens in this week's matchup. 7 o'clock Friday night is kickoff for that game. And then, of course, uh, Saturday, high noon. There it is. That music. Love that music. High noon. Happy Valley. Ohio State at Penn State. Big game for the Buckeyes. They're number two overall. Penn State ranked number 13 overall. To break this baby down, let's go to the hotline and bring in the outstanding Buckeyes beat reporter at Bucknuts.com, Steve Hellwagon. Steve, thanks for joining us. We always appreciate the time. And uh, I want to go back to last week's game before we jump wholeheartedly into the Penn State game. What was your takeaway from last week's game? It was a blowout. But the offense struggled for a half. Any reason to be concerned with some of those turnovers uh, that Iowa created or no, uh, they still won 54-10? to 10. Well, I mean, yeah, it was a little bit wonky. It was a weird game. I'll just say that. For Iowa to have such a great defense and to give up 54 points and make Ohio State earn it, I mean, I think that was the, the thing that you come away with in the first half. Ohio State leads 26-10 to 10 at halftime. And when they got into the red zone, they had to settle for field goals. Four field goals in the first half, which is just unheard of, you know, for Ohio State. Ohio State is 100% for the season inside the red zone scoring points. But, uh, you know, that includes field goals as well, which they had four of them this past week in the first half. They had a pick-six interception as well. Tommy Eichenberg, right before halftime, intercepted a pass and returned it for a touchdown. So, they had a little bit of breathing room in the first half, 26 to 10. They had gotten several turnovers from Iowa, and that had set up some short fields. Uh, Tanner McAllister had two interceptions, and Zach Harrison uh, got in there and sacked the quarterback and, and forced a fumble, uh, which a teammate grabbed. So there were a lot of positives, I think, for the defense. And the right. way that it was explained is that now the offense goes out there with a short field, and those windows – you know, to throw the football in are kind of tightened because you don't have the whole field to work with. And uh, Iowa was putting an extra uh, safety in the box to stop the run. There's no threat that C.J. Stroud, the quarterback, is going to run the ball. So everybody was teeing off on the running backs. And it's probably the worst day Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams have had since Pee Wee football, probably. For those guys to only uh, combine for 69 yards, it was reminiscent of the Michigan game last year when Ohio State only had 66 yards rushing. So, you know, a lot of good, some not so good, and still a 44-point win. Uh, In the second half, Stroud got things ironed out, four touchdown passes in the second half, and uh, all's well that ends well, 7-0 moving on to Penn State. What a great difference, too, because as we saw last year in that team up north, they shut down the run, and our offense went to crap. This year, they were at least able to respond and still put up 54 against the Hawkeyes of Iowa. Steve Alwagon, your thoughts on the Jim Knowles defense this year as as we move forward now. 
Is this a matter of having more talent on defense, or is this just simply a different scheme that we're seeing? Well, I think it's a combination of the scheme as well as the guys are growing up. These are guys that played last year that are now playing starring roles like Tommy Eichenberg, who is playing at an all-Big Ten, borderline all-American type level. And uh, so, you know, guys who, who played a lot of football last year understand the game maybe a little bit better, a year bigger, stronger, faster as well in the, in the weight program. And so it's all paying dividends, all that development and everything. And the scheme that they're playing in has been outstanding. You haven't seen a ton of sacks, but what you've seen is consistent pressure. Even on the first interception, first play of the game, it was Zach Harrison, I believe, who got into the quarterback's face and forced an interception. Uh, the quarterback, no way he would have seen the safety uh, McAllister kind of lurking in the left flat there. And all of a sudden, Ohio State's got the ball, you know, at the 20, 25-yard line and to start the game. So, uh, you know, you have a lot of plays like that, that that are being dictated by the play of the front, even if the sacks necessarily aren't there uh, or haven't been for the course of the year. I think they had five in this game this past week just because, Iowa is the worst uh, offense in college football. But, uh, you know, one of the things I think about and I look look at with this is consider who this defense has played against. The best offense they've played is probably Toledo, who is probably in the 60s or 70s nationally, middle of the pack. This week they're in with Penn State, which is probably around 40th nationally. So this will be the best offense that they've played yet with Sean Clifford at quarterback and, and some good playmakers out there. So, We'll see how the defense holds up uh, going on the road to play uh, at least an offense that's got some capability. Steve Hellwagon, our guest, breaking down the Ohio State Buckeyes, number two team in the country, big road game in the Big Ten uh, at Penn State on Saturday at high noon. You'll hear it right here on WHBC. All right, Steve, uh, let's dive into maybe some of the walking wounded Jackson Smith in Jigba. I've been hearing so many different things about him, reading so many different things from you guys as well as other things on social media, that he played and was on a pitch count, that he played and re-injured something, and that's why he came out. And his status for this week is up in the air. Here it is, Wednesday the 26th, okay, a few days away from the game. Uh, What can you tell us about Jackson Smith in Jigba's uh, situation and availability for Saturday's game at Penn State? Yeah, their two big practice days are Tuesday and Wednesday, which, you know, today. So we're trying to gauge whether or not he was able to get out there and, and practice with the team and, and prepare for this game. If he's not able to practice, then I would tend to doubt he's going to play. I mean, anybody who was at the game or probably watched it on television, if they caught that, uh, he came up lame uh, on a deep pass right. pattern toward the Ohio State bench. Second quarter, he, he kind of came up lame. I don't know if he was favoring his knee or his hamstring, but he was not running real well. So to me, it's pretty obvious something isn't right. And yet uh, on uh, Tuesday, Coach Day said, well, they're hopeful that he'll be able to play. And I guess we'll just have to, to wait and see what uh, transpires uh, when they get out to Penn State. Could be a case where he tries to warm up and, and see where where he's at. And, you know, it's unfortunate. This guy's a preseason All-American, but it just hasn't worked out for him. He's played parts of three games, has five catches for the year. This was not the junior year that he was hoping for to jump off and go play in the NFL next year. So uh, I think he's burning to get back on the field and do whatever he can 
show, you know, what he's capable of doing, and yet we honestly don't know if he's 100% healthy or not or if he just re-injured it or if this is going to be a constant thing that he just fights all season until, you know, he finally is able to get past it. So uh, your guess is as good as ours. I guess we'll tune in. Uh, we'll be there Saturday. Tune in Saturday and see if number 11's in the lineup. He started this past week, but again, didn't make much of an impact in the final outcome of the game, and that's just been a recurring theme for him this year. Seems as though Ryan Day tells us about as much as uh, Kevin Stefanski tells us about the team up north, too. <laughs> it's mind-boggling sometimes to try to get ready for these games. Steve, give us a little scouting report on the Nittany Lions. Yeah, I think they're a pretty good team. Obviously, 13th in the country, 6-1. and one. Early in the season, they went down to Auburn. I know Auburn is struggling this year. But they really put it on Auburn, like 41 to 12 or 41 to 13, something like that. Mm-hmm. And then a few weeks ago, they went up to Michigan and uh, played them tough for a half. It was 16-14 at halftime. They even led 17 to 16 early in the second half, and then they just got their doors blown off. And what basically happened was there was a pick-six interception by Penn State for one of their early touchdowns, and Penn State uh, broke through and had one touchdown on offense, but couldn't sustain anything else on offense so consequently Michigan had the ball for 23 minutes in the first half ran 50 plays and just wore out the Penn State defense and uh, rather Michigan ended up rushing for I believe 417 yards in that game and pulled away I think it was 41-17 was the final score so uh, just an ugly ugly performance as it turned out second half for Penn State they came home last week. Uh, we're in a little bit of a dogfight with Minnesota early, but kind of the same script. They pulled away from Minnesota with a big second half, and uh, Clifford seems to be back on top of his game. And he started three games against Ohio State. He's a guy from Cincinnati, St. Xavier, and uh, you know he'd love to, to give Ohio State a loss. But, uh, you know, I, I think they've got a very good team. I just think that uh, – you know, they're missing a guy here or two, you know, one or two guys here or there that would really put them over the top to make them an elite team. And, uh, you know, maybe don't have that dynamic, dynamic playmaker on offense that they really need. So, uh, you know, I think it's going to be a, a good matchup. The last five games, Ohio State's won in the series, but they've only won those games by an average of about seven points a game. So it's always a close game when these teams uh, seem to hook up. And that's where I was going to go next, Steve Hellwagon, Uh, seeing that, uh, checking your pages out there on bucknuts.com, looking at those numbers and seeing that the spread is 15 and a half points on the road. Now, um, to me, that's a lot of points, even though Ohio State's two, they're 13 and what happened against Michigan. But isn't this their uh, national championship game basically for Penn State, right? This is their uh, biggest game of the year, and while it's not a whiteout, it's still a home game for them. Uh, your thoughts on the, the spread and uh, the fact that Ohio State is more than a two-touchdown favorite on the road against the 13th-ranked team in the country? Yeah, it seems like a lot of points, you know, when you come right down to it. Um, you know, in those last five games, Ohio State has only covered the spread against uh, Penn State once, and that was in the COVID game two years ago, empty stadium over there in Penn State. Ohio State was favored by 10.5 and won by 13. Uh, they didn't cover it last year. It was a nine-point game, and people will remember the two big comebacks in 2017 and 2018 
Ohio State pulled off wins, one point each over Penn State, coming back from big deficits, I think double-digit deficits in both those games. So, uh, you know, Penn State always gives Ohio State its best shot. And here's the thing, as you said, I mean, they've already lost the game to Michigan. Uh, they can't go, you know, to, to Indianapolis unless they went out and get some help. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know, you know, it's kind of a long shot probably for that scenario, even, you know, even if they do win this game. But, uh, you know, certainly they, ain't go, they aren't going anywhere if they lose. So, uh, you know, they've got a chance to still do some special things this year, maybe get to 11 and one, take their chance, hopefully get into Indianapolis if it worked out. But, uh, you know, they're, they're going to have to play, you know, a solid game. They're going to have to play a mistake-free game. We just saw Ohio State uh, six turnovers against Iowa uh, that they forced, and the Buckeyes are starting to really turn it up on defense. So Clifford, he's been known to throw it up for grabs at times, and, uh, you know, they're going to have to play on their end. They're going to have to play a clean game. So I'm not sure if we know whether they're capable of doing that or not. It was a sloppy start for the Buckeyes last week, but for the most part – your thoughts on how this season has unfolded so far. From September 3rd, Notre Dame to now, this team seems to be trending in the right direction and leaving teams in a wake that I don't want to be in if I'm in the Big Ten. Shouldn't Penn State yeah. be looking over their shoulder and thinking that, man, big, bad Ohio State's coming to town this Saturday? Yeah, I think they should be. I mean, Ohio State's been obliterating everybody that, that yep. gets put in front of them. And, you know, yet I think only two of the teams they've played and beaten have a winning record. I think Notre mm. Dame's four and three. Maybe Toledo has a winning record. I don't think anybody else does, or or they're five hundred. So, um, you know, they really, in all honesty, haven't played anybody who is going to be in the debate for anything at the end of the season yet. So, that changes this week. You know, with Penn State, a respectable opponent, that's probably going to end up in the top twenty-five at the end of the year, uh, regardless of how this goes. So, uh, to me. You have to go out and you have to do it against the best teams on your schedule. You're not yep. just going to show up and win a game at State College uh, just by showing up. They, they went out there as the number two ranked team in the country uh, six years ago, 2016. Uh, they had a punt blocked and a field goal blocked and lost the game uh, by three, 24 21. So that was uh, a huge blemish. You know, it cost that team a Big Ten championship that season. So. Um, you know, you can't take anything for granted. You got to go out and play, uh, play your best game. And, you know, Stroud, you know, I'll say this, he had an interception to start the second half last week, threw into coverage when he probably could have run the ball and he, he didn't run it, won't run it. And yet, you know, he's a guy that if he makes a mistake, he always atones by making six or seven of the prettiest throws you've ever seen after that. And, uh, he played lights out the last two quarters there before he came out of the game with about eight minutes to go. So, uh, you know, that's the C.J. Stroud that uh, Ryan Day wants to see early and often uh, Saturday against Penn State. What a difference that is, too. I don't know if you saw the Monday night game. Justin Fields running all over a New England defense, and we look and we think, man, you remember when we had a mobile quarterback? Well, now you've got C.J. Stroud, and this offense really hasn't missed a beat. Steve, I want to go back. It's hard to believe that we're almost two months into this season. We started off September 3rd. We mentioned the Notre Dame game. Now, the thing that I remember most about Notre Dame was all those recruits that lined up to go to that game. What's the recruiting trail been like since Notre Dame? And, you know, we had five straight home games. Have they been packed with recruits? Oh, yeah, yeah. Every week they, they do a good job bringing in some top prospects and 
the Notre Dame game was a big one. I think the Wisconsin game being a night game was another big one where some kids were able to get to Columbus and, and see him play, you know, against a, a big 10 team. So uh, those probably were the two where they had the, the biggest ones that were there. Um, they're really tracking three big time defensive ends. Uh, Keon Keeley is one of them. And uh, Mateo, you, the brother of the Clemson quarterback is one of the other ones. There's another one named uh, Allen from Florida as well. Those three guys are the guys that they're really honing in on. They have a top five class right now that sits there. And those kids would sign in mid December as 2023 graduates, but uh, they're almost done basically with recruiting the 23 class and then uh, really getting going on 2024 and 2025. Of course, they've got a commitment from one of the top quarterbacks in the country, Dylan Rayola from uh, Scottsdale, Arizona is in the 2024 class. So the parade of talent just continues unabated, you know, in one door and out the, out the back door, you know, to the NFL. And uh, that's, that's what, uh, Ryan Day and his staff are going nationwide to find the best players. And, uh, you know, they're going to continue, I presume, uh, to have some players in. There are two home games left, Indiana and Michigan. There'll be some prospects at both those. And then it'll be signing day, and then it'll be on to 2024 after that. Steve Hellwagon is our guest. You can follow him daily on Twitter, at Steve Hellwagon. Check out his work at bucknuts.com. They do a fabulous job covering Ohio State football, basketball, as I always like to say, the game day data page. Uh, it's your one-stop shop for every bit of information you need for the Buckeyes and whoever they're playing uh, that week. And, and, Steve, I want to talk a, a little bit more about um, this game from the standpoint of they haven't played anybody, Steve, right? Notre Dame lost to Marshall. Notre Dame's not very good. That was supposed to be a big game. Wisconsin was supposed to be a big game. Blowout, not their fault, but that's, you know, uh, the way we, we saw it before the season. How much of a factor do you think that might be going into this Penn State game, who probably is, even though they got blown up by Michigan, uh, the best team they will have faced to this point? Any concerns there at all or no? Yeah, I think you got to be a little bit concerned from the standpoint that, uh, you know, they played one game on the road already, Michigan State, but it really wasn't that difficult of an environment. Ohio State got ahead 35-13 to 13 at halftime and people left. You know, it was not a tough road environment for this team. Obviously, the guys who were on the team last year went to Michigan and were part of that and know what that was all like, but uh, nothing this year will match what they're going to walk into uh, or really any other year. I mean, this is always going to be a tough place to play. It's not a whiteout. It's going to be played at high noon as opposed to 7.30 p.m., which is a little bit different. But it's still going to be raucous. It's still going to be going crazy. Communication is going to be hard to, to, to handle for Ohio State on offense. Probably have some false starts as a result of it. And they just have to play through all those little bumps in the road all those little things that come up you know it's third and nine you got to convert it i mean that's just the way it is and uh you know we're going to see what they're made of i think to a degree and i think you know if you really want to be a national championship team and mention yourself up there with alabama clemson georgia tennessee whoever michigan you you've got to prove it you got to go on the road win in a tough environment, and, uh, you know, you'll gain more respect by doing that. Number two in the polls this week, and obviously the college football playoff first rankings will come out next week, and obviously that's just the starting point. But 
you want to be highly regarded uh, throughout the process and uh, put your best foot forward. So, you know, we talk about style points and all that, but if you go on the road and are able to win a game, uh, you know, I don't worry too much about it. I mean, there's 12 right. games for each team and, and a lot of data points involved. Just go out and win your games and you ought to be okay in the end. Steve, in a strange way, even though it, it didn't look good in the first half last week, was it good that Noah Ruggles and the special teams unit, the field goal unit, got some work? Uh, should it come down to a, you know, a, a game deciding or tying field goal and everything, at least uh, they, they got some work last week and he was named special teams player of the week uh, in the Big Ten? Yeah. yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, uh, there'll be games later on that will come down to a kick or a late play or something, and, and uh, you, know, you never know when that might be. That could be for the national championship or to get into the national championship game, you know, one or the other. So uh, you never know when that's going to happen, but uh, – it is good that those guys did get some work. And uh, Ruggles, I think in his entire two years at OSU, has only missed two field goals, which is a pretty good record. So he's a good guy to depend on if it comes down to that. I know Ryan Day wants to knock that thing in the end zone every chance he gets. And we've seen some creativity in being able to do it. I mean, but this past week, they, they kind of struggled down there. And, and I think that uh, I bet they're working extra hard on it this week, no doubt. We talked about Jackson Smith and Jigba and his availability. We'll wait and see. Probably a game time decision. Any other uh, major injuries that either occurred in the Iowa game, Steve, or guys that have still been out that uh, we don't know if they're going to be available this week? Yeah, the long snapper who you don't really hear much about. Uh, his name, I think, Brian Robinson. He was injured, and uh, another kid, Mason Arnold, filled in for him. But that's obviously an important position as we're talking about the special teams and extra points, field goals, punts. You can't mess those plays up because as we saw in the 2016 game, those, those plays, if you mess them up, will change the game in a, in a hurry. So that's one. Uh, they look down, uh, they're hoping to get Cam Brown, the cornerback back this week, Jordan Hancock, who missed the first uh, six games was able to play in a backup role at cornerback and did okay. And also uh, Josh Proctor, he missed the last game safety. Lathan Ransom filled in and did pretty well in his stead. Otherwise, it seems like they're pretty well uh, healthy at this point. They've moved uh, Chip Trayonum, who's been repping at linebacker, over to running back because uh, the walk-on who was over there, T.C. Caffey, got uh, injured. He was kind of number four on the list. So uh, Trayonum, who transferred from Arizona State, I think he played up there at Akron Hoban, uh, he is a guy that, um, you know, could figure as the number three running back, maybe slide him in ahead of the freshman Dallin Hayden, just because he's played in a big time game before. And, uh, this might not be the case to, to press a freshman in there, but obviously, you know, Henderson and Williams have been kind of in and out of the lineup all season. And, and, uh, you know, they made it through the last game theoretically pretty good. So I assume they're both going to be ready to go on Saturday. All right, last thing, and we'll let you go, Steve Hellwagon. How do you guys see this one playing out Saturday in Happy Valley? I think it's going to be a good one. Uh, I think Ohio State's got some superior playmaking ability, though, although Penn State counters with a really deep and talented secondary. Joey Porter Jr. at cornerback is a big-time player, and got a couple other guys back there. So that's the matchup to watch. Can Julian Fleming and Marvin Harrison Jr., native Pennsylvanians, uh, go back to their home state and uh, make some big plays. Same with the Mecca Buca at wide receiver. Uh, is Stroud going to have the time and, and make those plays? 
Man, I am struggling with this one. I'm, I'm thinking something like 31-20, something like that. But uh, yeah. should be a heck of a game. I mean, these teams always seem to play uh, interesting games right down to the wire. So uh, I'd probably predict something like that again this time around. I'm with you on that as well, Steve. Great stuff as always. Keep up the fantastic work there at Bucknuts.com. We'll talk again next week, all right? All right, guys. Take care. Steve Hellwagon, Bucknuts.com, Buckeyes Beat Reporter, breaking it down for you. Ohio State at Penn State, 12 o'clock this Saturday, right here on WHBC.